We're talking NFL draft prospects, Alabama QB problems, and so much more. But first, the intro. Welcome into the Full Tilt Debbie podcast brought to you by Fantasy Points Media Group. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy at A Star FF on Twitter. And tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about some NFL draft draft prospects that are maybe being overhyped, underhyped. We're going to be talking about some uh, you know QB battles going on in Debbie. And a little bit of uh, maybe some bold uh, draft predictions, which should be pretty fun. But first, let me ask you, how are you doing, Andy? I'm doing great. We actually uh, just bought a camper this last weekend. So looking forward to using that some this summer. Um, We're going to have to talk afterward because you did not mention this before the show. I know. I know. I, I meant to tell you and I was like, oh, shoot. But, uh, My yeah, wife just... and I are in the market for one, so we'll we'll definitely talk afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't know if the listeners want to hear all about it. I know, I know. All right, we'll we'll talk <laughs> later. But it's it was not fun, uh, not a fun process for me. Like I I'm so indecisive, but I'm glad we finally got it done. Nice. Uh, well, congratulations on that. Like I said, we'll talk later about that. Um, <laughs> you know, before we get into the fun stuff, you know, obviously there's. There's spring games that have happened recently. There's there's a lot of news and notes when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, have you picked up on anything before we actually dive into like some of the questions and stuff? Have you picked up on anything, um, whether it's just from a, a news blurb or whether it's from another podcast or whatever that uh, you're really focusing on in spring practices or from the spring practices and the spring games? Well, we're, we'll talk about it more later, but I've just been impressed with like the with the, how the freshman QBs have been performing from this class. Um, I think I don't think there hasn't there hasn't really been any surprises as of as of yet, as far as like you know the freshman class is concerned. Uh, you know, of course, the five stars are going to get rave reviews from their coach. Nobody's going to say like, "Oh man, they're really underperforming." We wanted to see more, um, but. I think, you know, for the most part, you're getting a lot of positive news from from these players. So that's exciting to hear, at least from the quarterbacks um, and some of the wide receivers as well have, have been really performing well, um, which, you know, obviously this is our first chance we get to learn anything about these freshmen aside from, you know, what they did in high school, which I don't know. Again, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a prospector by any any stretch of the imagination, so I get a lot of my information just from when they get to campus and when they start actually practicing with college teams. So um, that's kind of what I'm focusing on in the spring is, you know, who these guys that are stepping up into starting roles or who are these freshmen that are um, really taking a step forward and might actually get some playing time this year. But, you know, once we get to the Alabama game, we're going to talk about a running back who I think, you know, should be on everyone's radar right now if they weren't already. But I think they probably were on a lot of radars as well. (laughs) As as we, you know, a five-star running back but or a four-star. But that's kind of what I look for anyway. I don't know. How about yourself? 
I honestly didn't hear anything you said after you called yourself a prospector or not, or you said you weren't a prospector. Cause then I just pictured you like digging for gold. Um, <laughs> for, yeah, so I like, I honestly didn't hear a single word you said after that. I've, I just had that, like the bubble, the, the cartoon bubble. And I had you digging for gold in my head. <laughs> that's like what they're called though. Right. They call them like prospectors. I don't know. Scout. People that <laughs> scout that I feel like that's more of like a pro term. Yeah, maybe I guess I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never actually heard anyone call themselves a prospector besides besides that's, somebody. That honestly, though, that's a weird. It's a weird name to call somebody that mines gold too. Like it is prospecting. It is. All right, it's weird. The prospects of gold. I, I don't know. I, I I've okay. never actually looked into why they call it. That's just what popped into my head. But all right, enough about you digging for gold. We are We're gonna off the rails. <laughs> We, we're already off the rails, but we're going to see is Alabama digging for gold when they are still kind of looking for their starting QB, which may be a problem. Um, maybe we're getting the answer that we've, you know, to the question that we've been asking, like who's going to be the QB and maybe Alabama's telling us maybe no one, <laughs> like, it, none of these guys, maybe we're going to bring someone in. It's kind of, it's been a lot of smoke, but the smoke, is kind of seeming to turn into fire here where we had Tyler Van Dyke uh, reported to go possibly to, uh, um, to Alabama. And then, you know, he shot it down, but I mean, just, you know, like there were so many reports about it that it, it seems like it was at least somewhat true um, that even Alabama offered him NIL money and stuff like that, whether it was Alabama or the boosters or however the hell that shit works. But um, then obviously like now we have Tyler Buckner, who I believe, you know, more about, offensive coordinators and all that kind of stuff, but I believe he has some kind of connection somewhere um, to the offense. But now Tyler Buckner is being uh, comped to Alabama or talked about being, going to Alabama. But I mean, beyond all that, is it just that, I mean, that's just scared the shit out of us, right? Like if you're a, a Jalen Moreau or Ty Simpson guy, uh, you got to be pretty nervous at this point, right? I mean, yeah, if you're like heavily invested into Jalen Moreau and Ty Simpson, then yeah, you should be nervous, but you should have never been heavily invested in those guys to begin with. I mean, Ty Simpson, I can understand because he was a five-star quarterback, and I definitely will always recommend drafting those freshman five-star quarterbacks. Um, but I'll also say that it's risky if you keep them for more than a year because this sort of thing can happen. Um, but the the connection that you're referring to is Tommy Reese, who was the offensive coordinator for Notre Dame last year, who is now the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Um, so there is that connection. Um, and it was not a good spring game. If you watch the spring game for Alabama, both Simpson and Milrow looked inconsistent. Um, I would say Ty Simpson probably looked like the better passer as far as making throws. He also showed some athleticism on a 45-yard run. However, he finished with no passing touchdowns. Milrow, on the other hand, also very athletic. He had a 35-yard touchdown run and, and then did have two passing touchdowns. Um, but overall, it was just kind of sloppy on offense. Uh, both of them threw at least an interception. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is kind of feels kind of like an old-school Alabama Nick Saban team, like from the early 2010s, right, where the quarterback play was kind of second to the huge offensive line in the power run game. Um, you know, you just needed like a guy like Greg McElroy out there to dump it off to the tight end, every, every other player, whatever, you know? Um, 
But it is interesting with Tyler Buckner in the transfer portal now, um, after he officially lost that gig to Sam Hartman. Um, personally, I don't think it's really makes much sense if you're Alabama. I mean, I guess it's good to have just more names in the in, on the depth chart, right? But he really didn't look good last season for the Irish. He 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 started off horribly. They lost the that game to it was it was Marshall and. They played okay versus Ohio State, but he didn't. Buckner didn't look great in any of those games. Um, he did have a bounce back performance in their bowl game win against South Carolina, but he still threw three interceptions in that game too. So for me, Buckner, I don't know that he does anything better than Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson. So yeah, I'm just not sold on it. I think that maybe this is just going to be one of those years Alabama doesn't have like elite quarterback play, which isn't going to hurt Alabama. They're still so talented that they're, you know, they've got Jace McClellan. I mentioned earlier this uh, freshman running back, um, Justice Haynes, who we've talked about on this show many times, obviously he had three touchdowns in that spring game, led the, led the Crimson offense in uh, receptions with four receptions for 40 yards. Um, as, as we know, the position is kind of wide open. We think it's going to be Jace McClellan, but I don't think he's got anything close to like a stranglehold on the line share of that workload. If anything, it just sort of muddies the water for guys like McClellan and like Jamarian Miller. Um, but the idea of like a legitimate freshman contributor at running back for Alabama is salivating. You know, that's like old school, like I said, old school Nick Saban, Alabama. So if we get a really solid Justice Haynes in his freshman year, that'd be great. Um, but you know, obviously if the passing game, Texas takes a step backwards, that's not good for guys like Ja'Cory Brooks, who I'm, I've still very high on. And I really like, uh, Malik Benson, the Juco transfer that's coming in there. You know, if they're not able to get those guys the balls and that's going to be bad for, for their outlook, but, um, overall, yeah, I think it's, it's probably not the greatest news for us Debbie guys, but, um, uh, you know, it could it could open up an opportunity for some of these running backs. Yeah, I mean, I, I still lean towards at least to, uh, talking about the running backs. I still lean towards they've really shown us that they don't give true freshmen the ball. I'm not saying it's impossible because it has happened a couple times, but I mean, it's been like 12 years or maybe even longer than that since the last time they did it. Um, now, maybe it's been 12 years since the last time they like truly didn't look this like terrible on offense, you know, so who knows what they'll do, but uh, going back to the QBs, it, it really does scare me. You know, I, I don't have any Ty Simpson. I don't have any Jalen Milrow and C2C or Debbie. Um, I, I did have a, a Tyler Buckner, but I no longer have that team and it was not my decision, but um, <laughs> I, I, like you said, Tyler Buckner did not look amazing last year uh in it it was only a couple games so what like three games uh total like two games before he got hurt and then when coming back and everything he did not look amazing Jalen Mulrow did not look amazing uh last year he obviously showed athleticism which is great but I mean it's fine in college you know but nobody that you should be like overly excited about for like being drafted drafted by the NFL even though now, here we are talking about another guy that we'll talk about here a little later on that just runs the ball really fast. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It, I honestly thought that Ty Simpson just, like, was going to just run away with this job, and it's not happening. And so, to me, 
a five-star guy on a blue chip program that it's not just being handed the ball is a little scary. Cause I mean, it, you would have to assume that he has some kind of NIL deal as well. Maybe not like anything amazing, like insane because it's Alabama, but like he has to be getting paid something. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's probably not getting anywhere near like what Bryce Young was pulling in last year, but I'm sure there's like some sort of, I don't know how all this collective stuff works. Like if there's contracts, like you need to start certain amounts of games. If it's actually like, I don't know, it's kind of all shrouded. So, but yeah, he's definitely getting something like that. He didn't just sign the dotted line at Alabama with not a promise of at least something. And so, I mean, obviously you've been paying attention to like actual college football for a lot longer than I have. And you get more into the, you know, offensive coordinators, the teams, the coaches, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even going back into like thinking about the spring games and spring practices and stuff, like how much do you actually take away from those games and practices? I mean, have you found in the past that it truly does matter? Like those guys that stand out then are the ones that are standing out later on in the season, that kind of thing. Or do you kind of take it with a grain of salt where, you know, like, yeah, sometimes it can work out that way, but there's plenty of other times where you hear a name and it's like, oh my God, this guy's just blowing up. He had three touchdowns in the spring game and then you never hear his name again. Yeah, I try not to get too overly excited about spring games because of one name and it's a guy Hall from Alabama, coincidentally, who just his freshman year came in, tore up the spring game, was making all sorts of catches on the sideline, Looked fantastic. Everyone's like, oh, this is it. A guy Hall is going to be the next great Alabama wide receiver. And I was like, I had a couple of guy Hall shares. I remember saying like, oh, he's not for sale. This is like a great, you know, amazing hit. And then he proceeded to do nothing for a year, transfer out of the program, do nothing at Texas, transfer to nowhere now, as far as I know. Um He's probably going to end up at like one of those second chance U's in like the NCI NCAIA or whatever it's called. Um, That's crazy, man. I I mean, to to be fair, he tried to warn you. Uh, you know, he 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 told you he's just a guy. <laughs> Stop it! All right, <laughs> that was horrible. I had to. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was bad, but I had to. I'm I don't dad. even know if that's I, how you I'm say a his name. Too, so. No, I'm pretty sure it's a Jai, but uh, a Jai, a guy. I, I don't yeah. know. I've said it like you every single guy way you could possibly times. do it. He's just a guy. <laughs> He's um, just a guy. So. But, but so that would be, it's obviously one example, right? You know, there's other examples of guys who stood out in the spring game and then were fantastic. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure, you know, they, they exist. Um, we're going to talk about Colorado in a little bit. And, they had guys stand out in their spring game who are now in the transfer portal. So <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, why don't we just dive into it? Because I mean, I think we've talked, uh, we don't have the answers for Alabama, you know, like no one does. No. Um, if if Tyler Buckner goes there, I guess it's possible that he could be in the mix. He's another, is, was he a five-star or is he a four-star? Uh, it, it depends on where you look, but yeah, he was. Yeah. Like, he's up high. there. He, he's yeah. up there. He's a high four-star, low five-star, whatever. He's going to be in the mix, clearly, because just like I said, they should have like we got from Texas after the spring game. We got like pretty clear and obvious like Quinn Ewers is our guy. Like We got that. 
we should already have that kind of talk at the very least from Alabama and we don't have it. So uh, yeah, there would be definitely a possibility that Buckner could be in the mix. Like I said, I, I don't, I still think I would lean towards Ty Simpson, but man, it's not looking great, but why don't we dive into Colorado? That's probably a lot more of a, uh, of a fun talk, but I mean, man, so many question marks there too. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. First of all, they had to bust out the snow plows for that game, which was, I thought was hilarious. Like they, I, I swear they had like a, a half inch, a half a foot of snow that they were pushing off the field, but um, it was a lot know, of snow. I, I saw those, I saw the video. I mean, there, like you said, it was a good, a good six inches, something like that. Right. So I guess I, Oh, so the basis of this whole thing was like, is coach prime, the real deal. Um, and that, spring game drew a larger TV audience than any Colorado regular season football game did in 2022. So in that aspect, yeah, I think coach prime is the real deal. He's already accomplished half of what they really intended for him to accomplish when they brought him into Colorado, which is to get eyes on the team. Um, Lincoln Riley is even already been on record saying it's been, it's good for the pac 12 that he's here. Now USC is obviously not going to be part of the pac 12 for much longer, but you know, it's good for that conference that they brought in a guy like Deion Sanders uh, because it does, you know, bring that media attention to the program and therefore the conference. Um, but as far as the game and the players, I guess, more importantly, I will say I'm starting to buy into the Shadur Sanders hype uh, very cautiously because um, of what ha- happened with uh, Cam Ward last year with like the, um, the FCS to D one power five jump, but not, I'm trying to remember you, you weren't one of the big hypers, were you? For, for I wasn't Ward? like, I was, I wasn't like driving the train, but I, I was, you know, I rode along for, from time to time. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I remember telling you like to chill a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, I'm not, I don't feel strongly about it, but I, I you know, I also don't <laughs> want to miss out on it if it happens. So yeah, but it's uh, it, like it's it's you're asking for such a like outlierish thing to happen, you know, like go from FCS to stud. FCS to decent can happen. FCS to stud, that's asking for a lot. <laughs> so he, here's why I feel a little bit differently about Shadur Sanders is because he was actually like a four-star recruit out of high school, you know, and he obviously is Deion Sanders' son, so he went to Jackson State. I think if he if his dad didn't coach at Jackson State, if his dad wasn't a coach at all, he probably would have ended up at a Power Five conference school like Colorado or somewhere else. Um, but he did look, yeah he he looked good in the spring game. Um, Sixteen for nineteen, two hundred thirty four yards and a couple touchdowns. Added another touchdown on the ground. Um, and then yeah, the numbers at Jackson State, you know, again FCS, take it with a grain of salt. But he threw for seventy touchdowns to only 14 interceptions in his two seasons starting completion percentage is over 70%. You'd like to see him get the yards per attempt numbers up. Um, I think he benefited greatly in that spring game from a 98 yard touchdown, which he did throw for about, it was like a 50 yard target downfield, but the guy was completely uncovered and wide open. So not the, not like a highlight reel throw by any means, but again, cautiously optimistic, um, I don't want to have another Cam Ward situation, but again, like I said, I think this is a little bit different because he actually was a, a highly recruited prospect out of high school. But 
the other the rest of the offense i am um, and again going back to coach prime is he is he really going to be the real deal is he going to win championships in the pac 12 now that he's here i will just say i've got some questions and the biggest was this week on monday when the transfer portal opened back up 18 players from colorado entered the portal after their spring session so uh those players included your guy and a guy that i like is who's jordan tyson who we think could be something, oh, but so he's now teamless. That's not great, obviously. And the guy that I just talked about who caught that 98 yard bomb and led the team in receiving in the spring game, Montana Lamonius Craig, he's gone too. Um, their leading rusher from last year, Deion Smith, who wasn't like great or anything, but you know, he was the leading rusher. He's gone. Uh, That's starting- the thing. I mean, there's, it's not just, it's not just like, you know, these one-star guys that are like leaving the team. I mean, there's major players that are leaving the team. And I mean, it, I, I think I saw somewhere and maybe I'm wrong on the total number, but I, I want to say that I saw a tweet that said there was only 20 scholarship players left on the, uh, the squad for spring. There's obviously more coming in, you know, for fall and all that kind of stuff. But as of right now, they only have 20 scholarship players, which is pretty wild. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, you've been to ourlads.com to look at depth charts and whatnot. If you go to the coloradoourlads.com, every like player is is highlighted orange as like somebody that wasn't on the team a season ago. I think they have four starters on offense and defense combined that are returning in total. Um so at the end of the day, yeah, like we were talking about, you know, you might want, you don't want to keep the culture of a one win team around, right? Because they only won one game a season ago. But you got to try to, I, I would think, retain some of your talent because these guys didn't just walk on to a Power Five Colorado football team. They were at one point in time considered talented. And I think a lot of them still are talented. Um, that, Montana Lamonius Craig, the guy who I just mentioned who caught the 98 yard touchdown, he's already had offers from Penn State and Central Florida, you know, pretty good schools. Um, I, so I'm not, you know, I don't know if he's going about this the right way. It sounds like a lot of these players probably feel like they're maybe not getting the right opportunity or maybe they're not being seen or I don't know why they're leaving, but they're 18 players after a, one spring practice session is is pretty crazy. Um, and again, this is a power five roster, talented players completely turned over for this Jackson state team. And along with some other guys, he got out of the, out of the portal. And I'm not saying that those guys aren't talented because, uh, you know, they've got a former number one overall recruit, Travis Hunter, Shadour Sanders, who we talked about, who he was a four-star quarterback. Um, but then, you know, if we're talking about an offense where, you know, they're losing guys like Jordan Tyson, who we liked. They did bring in uh, Jimmy Horn Jr., who I, you know, I kind of like him. I think he could definitely be something. I'm not buying Cavosier Smoke as a viable Debbie running back. Travis Hunter, who I just mentioned, it sounds like he's probably going to play a little bit on offense, but at the end of the day, he's a corner. And when he goes to the NFL, he's going to be a corner. Um, So not really any Debbie potential for me there either. So outside of Shadur, who I really am very cautiously optimistic about. I don't, I really just don't think that there's anyone in this offense that blows me away. Um, and I think this experiment, I, I mean, I'm going to watch it play out. I'm not going to say it's going to go one way or the other, 
but I feel like he's doing at least something the wrong way. I think there might, might've been a better way to go about it, but again, you know, it's who am I to say anything, right? Like I'm just, <laughs> well, I think honestly, I, I think he's doing it the hundred percent the wrong way. Like, you know, okay. You, wow. You did okay. In the FCS. Fantastic. Like welcome to real college football now. And like, you're going to just humiliate and like, just kick out basically half of your team that was there. Like you said, like anyone that was actually there before that was good that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just get the hell out of here. He told him that, that when he, the, the first practice or the first uh, meeting, he brought everyone in. He's like, jump in the transfer portal. Like he knew he was just going to bring all these people from Jackson state. And, and just, you know, like, it seems like, and once again, I could be wrong. I don't pay attention to all that shit, but it seems like he's just bringing all these players. And he's like, these are the players I like. These are the guys that I, you know, that I talk to daily and all that kind of stuff. So that's who I want to play, you know, football with. And that's what he's doing. And that's not going to work in FBS. It's not going to, you know, I, I know it's the Pac-12, but it's not going to work in the Pac-12 either. You know, like it, it I don't know. It's not going to, it's not going to be great. Like you said, their, their number one wide receiver isn't even a wide receiver. Um, so it, it's just, I feel like it's going to end very, very badly. Um, I had hope originally but after seeing this there's just there's too many high quality players leaving the team in may essentially that are like yeah screw this like i don't want to deal with this shit and so that tells me everything i need to know about what's going on with that program and like if i'm if i have any kind of like debbie asp or aspirations for any of these players i'd probably be getting out very quickly for anyone's actually on colorado because it just uh, you could say like you, you you liked what you saw from Shador Sanders, but he's already been hyped. Like his price is already up there. So either you already had him, or if you're trying to buy him, like you're not going to get him cheap. <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to be cheap. So I think that at that point, he's a sell. Even even if you are like, oh, I'm, I'm cautiously hopeful, he's still a sell because somebody else isn't cautiously cautiously hopeful. Somebody else is like, no, no, he's a top five Devi QB. And you need to go sell them anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you're if anyone's selling him as a top five QB right now, they're they're out of line. Which I, I have seen that before um, from a well followed account. Um, but it's 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 just you know you gotta you gotta prove it on on the field before you can make those sort of assertions. And again, I'm not saying he can't do it. But um, I just feel like something's not right over there at Colorado right now, and I could be wrong. I I just I'm I'm excited to watch it, and I think a lot of people are. Um, but you know, you're you're going to be going toe to toe with Lincoln Riley and you know Utah, who's sort of had a stranglehold on that conference the last couple of years. Oregon's great. Um, Did they Washington bring like just about everyone back to Utah? Pretty much, yeah. Quarterback, I mean, <laughs> and you know, Washington—they've got a great offense. They've got a guy who actually could be, a, you know, a top quarterback in the draft next year, depending on who you ask. And Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, let's let's chill with the great offense. They have a great Pac-12 offense. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so to just think that he's gonna just bring these ragtag like Arkansas's tight end, Arkansas state's tight end and 
Southern Florida's leading receiver and then patch them all together and they're all of a sudden going to just be a great offense. And maybe those aren't his expectations. Maybe he understands that it's going to take a year or two. Um, but, you know, obviously that's not what he's going to say. But um, I just don't think it's it's going to go well this year. <laughs> no, it, it's a hot mess. But enough enough about Colorado. Let's get into uh, the freshman QB craze. We have... We, I mean, we've we've talked about in the past, like we we have like five stud QBs in this recruit draft class, and the thing is, they're all standing out in these spring practices and everything, except for Arch Manning. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of funny. Just to start it out, I'll start it out with Arch because I think it's hilarious that like people people will say like Arch is coming from a, a small high school like a small school program. They don't have play anyone. There's no competition, that kind of thing. And then they freak out when he doesn't do well in a spring practice or a spring game. Like it, it really does blow my mind. Like Quinn Ewers, the guy that beat him out was also beat out in Ohio state practices, you know, <laughs> two years ago uh, when, when he was a freshman and, you know, that, and like, obviously it was different circumstances because he was only 17. He skipped his senior year, blah, 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 or whatever it was. But I'm just saying like, it all it takes is him being there for six months and learning football at a, a at a better program, throwing to guys like Xavier Worthy and, uh, you know, Jonte Cook and, and uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Nair, and uh, JT Sanders, I mean, they have so many good quality players there. Like, all he has to do is just get used to that. And it it's not going to be long before it's Arch Manning time. You know, it just, it really does blow my mind with how people lose their minds about somebody, like, not looking 100% ready in March or April, Yeah, I, it's hard to say with Quinn Ewers, you know, comparing the situation, because like you said, he was a late reclassify. He didn't have a spring at Ohio State. He mainly just went there to collect on some NIL deal money. And then right, he knew he was yeah, going to And I'm to- not truly comparing. I'm just saying, like, it's kind of the same situation. But, I mean, it's yeah. not truly. But Well, I, I, and I would never, like, spin the narrative, like, Arch Manning is done. You know, he, he couldn't even come close to winning this, this job. I will say though, like the fact that all these other quarterbacks in this class, like even Jackson Arnold, who I think was kind of lower on everyone's list. Um, Nico Iamalieva, who I think a lot of people had questions about, and they're getting like rave reviews from, and not to say that Arch Manning's not getting rave reviews from his, you know, from, the Steve Sarkeesians of the world, because obviously again, they're five-star recruits. They're going to say like, Oh, we're so happy to have him. He's, he's doing great. He's learning. He's, you know, but the fact that like, he just got, he didn't look good at all in that spring game. And I'm not like, I, uh, I really don't want to try and say like he's done, he's finished or anything, but it just did Malik Murphy outplayed him. Um, Quinn Ewers, you know, it was like a clinic. He he was some, he, you know, it was clear he was the starting quarterback uh, after that game to everybody, which is why, you know, it was obviously announced like that. Um, but I think it's, it, it, I just feel like you, you got guys like Malachi Nelson and Jackson Arnold and Nico Iamalieva and Dante Moore in this same draft cycle. I think 
if I'm drafting, I want to get any one of those four guys before Arch Manning at this point in time, which isn't going to say I, I if I'm still doing a Debbie draft right now, I still think Arch Manning is going to be a you know first round Debbie pick in most leagues. Uh, I just feel like I'd rather have any of these other guys right now, just based on what I know now. Um, uh, some of the quotes that like from coach Hoipel from Nico Iamalieva, he said his ability to do things is certainly a skill set that was important to us in recruiting really good feel for a young guy inside the pocket, when to step up and when to escape the backside dynamic and explosive as an athlete. So he's got ability to get away from defenders. It's, you know, you hear stuff like that and you think, okay, well, all right, this is, this is a guy who's going to, you know, once Joe Milton moves on, he's, he's got the offense locked up right now. I don't know. I mean, technically Malik Murphy's still on campus. Is there a chance that Arch Manning has to sit behind him next year too? Um, No, no, because there's this thing called NIL and it's never, they're never going to allow it to happen. Like it's just not going to happen. You're probably right, which I, I just – and that kind of takes the ball out of the coach's hands, which is that good is that good for college football? Because at the end of the day, what you want to do is put your best team on the field. Um, and that's what these coaches have to do because I, – I mean, at the end of the day, they're at the boosters, um, you know, will, I guess you'd say, because they're the ones who are going to say who gets fired and who gets to stay on. But then the boosters are also going to want to see the player that they just spent millions of dollars on on the field. So it's kind of a weird situation. But again, I don't want to get too deep into this because Arch. I'm not, I'm not saying Arch Manning's like done or anything, but it was not a good first impression, I will say, uh, especially just how the other guys have, you know, there's a chance Dante Moore could straight up just be starting for UCLA this year. Um, Jackson Arnold, I feel like if – you know, with Dylan Gabriel's injury history, it, it seems like he's probably going to get some some time this year as well. Malachi Nelson, obviously, he's sitting behind the best quarterback in the draft next year. So, you know, we'd hope that we don't see too much of him outside of like garbage time. And then same thing with Nico. Um, I mean, I, he could potentially see the field too if, if Joe Milton goes back to his Michigan form. But that's just kind of how I feel about it. Like Arch Manning, I'm, I'm just kind of like not going to pay up for him when I can get any of these other four guys potentially for cheaper. Yeah. And I get it. I, I mean, I'm not like a, I, I honestly don't differentiate between these like top five QBs all that much, but I look at like the, you know, I, I look at the situations and I go Dante Moore could literally start week one. And so I, I might move him ahead of Arch just because he could actually gain value. If he's that good, is if he's as good as we think he is, he could gain value right now, whereas Arch probably isn't going to. Um, now, if Quinn Ewers is the Quinn Ewers of last year, Arch could very well see the field, or at the very least, Malik Murphy. You know, like somebody else could see the field. Um, and I, I, but I can almost guarantee you that the stands would be yelling. Arch, 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 you know, so I I think that it would be Arch if they were to make that decision. I guess maybe I'm leaning less towards what I originally thought of, like Arch could see the field. It's like pretty early on this year. That's probably not going to happen. He doesn't seem 100% ready, you know, but I mean, obviously he has every every escape in the world being a Manning. And then not only that, but like 
being taught by Mannings because you know, I mean, assuming he has a decent worth work ethic, which I have no idea, maybe he doesn't, but assuming he does, you know, he's going home on like certain weekends or whatever and working with his his dad and uncles and whoever else, like that kind of thing. But Dante Moore could start week one. Um, I I have concerns about Nico because look at how poor or look at how bad uh Hendon Hooker is being disrespected just because oh it's it's all the offense it's all the scheme and everything else so like if if that's the case obviously there's there's other things the ACL and 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 the the age as well but if is it going to be the same thing for Nico you know like it, it, it could he be that good and teams are just like oh well it doesn't matter you know so for Debbie purposes I'm like man I don't even know if I want to like really fall in line with Nico because how good is he going to have to be before people are no longer concerned about the scheme or the offense? Like, Oh, it's, it's not a real offense. It's not an NFL offense. He, he doesn't know how to play in the NFL, that kind of thing. Jackson Arnold has literally no one to throw to. And, uh, (laughs) and then uh, Malachi Nelson's always been like the one. So like, you know, that, that hasn't been too much of a question mark. He, he has like the best job, but, there's still question marks with him. I mean, crazy thing, crazier things have happened. Like Caleb Williams has a down year. Caleb Williams has a knee injury or whatever. I'm not wishing it upon him. Please, God, don't let him get hurt. But like crazier things have happened. All of a sudden, Caleb Williams stays another year. Malachi Nelson's waiting another year. And now you're like, you've said in the past, like, don't wait longer than one year. Like trade that player. Go get somebody else. Like, you know, get somebody that's actually going to gain value at that point. Yeah, I will always advocate for that um, unless it's like the rare situation like a Caleb Williams where you get like more than a full, more than a couple of games in a season of, of, a, of a sample size and you see that he's actually good or decent enough to, to be great, um, which we had with Caleb Williams, which we don't get very often from these freshmen. Um, that's why Dante Moore, like you said, is probably intriguing, but... Yeah, I mean, with Arch Manning, and you mentioned like their value going up a lot. All these guys' value is probably going to either stay the same or go up or be very close to where it's at right now. Just even if they don't play based on, you know, that's how it works with these five-star freshman QBs, which is why I like drafting them because I know that I can get out of them after a year pretty easily. Um, Cade Klubnik is a guy that I've had a lot of and I've moved pretty much all of my Cade club, Nick, because um, it's Good. a gamble at this point. It's going to be like a coin flip with him. Maybe, maybe it'll people be still maybe. think that he's going to be like a top, a top guy. And I'm, I'm ready to be yeah. out. So. No, you should. And you should be because what you can get for him now is good. Like you can get an NFL starter on your fantasy football team for him right now. Um, and that's like all these freshman quarterbacks, which uh, I've nailed it all the way down, you know, every single year you can get, they're going to go in, up in value, go get yourself an NFL starter. If you miss out on it, that's too bad. But you know what, for the three that you traded away that ended up busting, you've, you've actually, you've cashed out. So, and that's kind of how I feel about all these guys. I will say this class does feel better than any that I've evaluated as I've been in, in fantasy football. It just feels like there's more talent here than any other year especially last year. Last year was kind of bad. 
Yeah, no, I love the QBs. Uh, like I said, I, I was nitpicking more than anything else, but like I still love the talent. And they've, like you said, they've gotten like rave reviews. So, um, it, except for Arch Manning, <laughs> so that, you know. But but it's like, but he's a Manning. That's the only thing. Like you're always going to get that caveat. But like at some point, you're going to have to either believe in him or you know just believe in the name. One of the two. Because uh, it's going to happen. He's going to be a college QB no matter what. Whether he's an NFL QB is a completely different story. But uh, but I think that the, the freshman QB craze is warranted. And this class definitely makes a lot of sense. But I, I don't know. I'm really feeling Dante Moore. Like that's, that's kind of becoming my guy. Um, just because he's going to see the field, we're going to have an answer. And my thing is I always want answers, you know, like I, I just want answers from these players. Are you good or bad? And at the very least you'll have an answer and you can get in, get out, get, do whatever you want to do with that player. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm excited for all these guys, but I think just seeing Dante Moore from week one, that would be, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. There's not much holding him back, but we'll take a three second break for some reason. And then we will be right back. And we're back. (laughs) Welcome. All right. Welcome. So obviously there's nothing else going on this week, which is why we decided to go ahead and do a podcast this week. You know, like there's just nothing to talk about and we wanted to fill time, you know, fill space in the off season, all that kind of stuff. I guess there's something happening tomorrow, but I mean, I don't even know if people care about it. It's like, are, are, are you into the NFL draft, Andy? I've watched a couple, couple years. Uh, when I was in high school, I liked it a lot. Haven't really paid much attention since then, but uh, I think I will tune in this year, at least for the first round. <laughs> no, I, I love the draft. I honestly, I, uh, I will say I live in Tampa and uh, the Bucks actually put on a very, very high quality draft party every year. And uh, one year in particular, I think it was three years ago, I uh, my wife was listening to the radio and just happened to win like a special pass or something for me for uh, uh, for the draft party at the stadium. And so I got to sit in like the I think it was called the Miller Light party deck or something like that. And they had a full buffet. They had a, a full bar. Uh, everything was comped, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And I got to watch the entire draft on the giant screens uh, with everything going on. I, I was able to walk down to the field, all that. It, it, it was amazing. It was pretty damn awesome. So uh, I enjoy going to the draft uh, or not going to the draft, but going to those draft parties and everything. I've never actually been to the draft, but it would be pretty cool. But obviously, the, you know, the, there's a lot, lot of excitement in the air with, uh, with what everything that's going on, but do you feel like everyone's getting everything right in their draft analysis and their rookie analysis? Cause obviously we're going to focus on the rookies here. Um, and we've been focusing on it for quite some time here because we're a Debbie pod. So what do you think? I'm disappointed because we handed the baton off in January. I want to say like right before the spring game, or not the spring game, the uh, the senior bowl. We handed the baton off to the dynasty community. We said, here you go. We've had these guys for three to four years. Take take what we've done and uh, blossom, flourish with them. 
And I think I feel like they've just gone in the complete opposite direction of, of where we were telling them to go. Um, by the way, the NFL draft is coming to Detroit next year. I will be going, and I cannot wait for that. Um, but back to like this this whole dynasty community and what they've done to our boys. Uh, look what they've done to my boy. But uh, I was I was. <laughs> I was on Twitter. We need to like stuff some cotton balls in her mouth. Like, look what they did. I, 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 I can't do it right, but like, yeah. Look, yeah Not Italian enough. So I'm on Twitter and I see somebody mentioning Will Levis, which always gets me going. Um, but Will Levis is like the odds on favorite to go number two in the draft. And I'm going to cede my time to you when it comes to like talking about how you feel individually about guys like a rich and Levis, but I do want, just want to mention what happened here. And I said, you know, they said it was, it was Ray GQ who might be the most followed Debbie personality on Twitter. Um, nothing against Ray. Uh, I love some of the stuff he does. Some of the stuff I don't agree with. This happened to be one of the stuff I, one of the things I didn't agree with. He said something along the lines, if Levis goes number two overall, are we going to start giving him the respect that he deserves or needs or whatever? And I thought it would be funny to bring up the last five quarterbacks to be drafted number two overall without context, because that list happens to be very bad um, because it's Zach Wilson, Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, and RG3. Pretty funny list. (laughs) Then the Destination Debbie guys came flying in about how all those guys spiked in value after the draft, which is 100% true. And I do not want to take away from that point because they're right. After the draft, these high-drafted quarterbacks will inevitably become more, quote-unquote, valuable. But my, my problem with that line of thinking is you need to have a second willing participant in order to cash in on that supposed increase in value. And now I, the fact that we have this data set to see that the invisible spike in value after the draft, it's more of a mirage. And the fact that we're even talking about it right now and they're tweeting about it at me makes it inher- inherently less valuable information. Um, so I don't know how their leagues operate or how your leagues operate, but in my leagues, uh, most people don't try to pay up on bad QBs after they've had a bad season. <laughs> um, just because the masses are saying that they're worth more. Um, QB is a very hard position to trade. So if you're going to go down that road of drafting what I consider to be a bad prospect and like the Will Levis's of the world, and to a lesser extent, Anthony Richardson, um, just because they're going to be more valuable on keep trade cut in seven months, then you better have an exit plan. Um, and I'll speak briefly on like the players, you know, Levis had a QBR of 60 last year, which didn't even crack the top 50 in college QBs turnover worthy play percentage was three and a half percent. And maybe his most damning qualities, he couldn't even beat out Sean Clifford at Penn state. The idea that he's going to be that he's just good because he'll be good because he's in this pro style college system is honestly asinine to me. I don't know where that comes from that. Oh, he played in a pro style system. So he's going to be good in the pros. He's he's not good. He's bad. Um, he's getting gassed up by guys like Peyton Manning, um, who's saying stuff like he's genetically built to play quarterback. And then a bunch of NFL guys are salivating at that idea. And it's just going to end poorly. I've never I've never been more sure about anything in my fantasy football life. And I was pretty sure Zach Wilson was going to bust. I'm I'm 
so confident that Will Levis will not be a good NFL quarterback. Um, as far as Richardson, if you want to argue about Richardson, I'm going to say I'll give you a lot more grace, especially if he's drafted into a plus situation. He's got, you know, the athleticism to make some plays on the ground. But I will say at the end of the day, you know, we care about fantasy points, which hopefully he can run for enough po- yards to give you those points. But I'm not going to sit here and tr- pretend to myself that he's all of a sudden going to be an accurate quarterback. Yeah, he has a cannon, but it's not going to do him any good when every linebacker in the NFL is just as big and fast as he is. And he's forced to make these finesse throws that we've already seen him struggle with. So both of those guys, Levis to a much higher extent. If he goes number two overall, I am advocating to stay far away. Yeah, his value is probably going to go up as these guys so astutely pointed out that their value goes up. It's going to go up. But you need to find somebody else who's going to give you more than what you paid for him if you intend on drafting them. And to me, I feel like that's harder than than they're letting on, than they're making it seem. Especially if you play in, you know, leagues that guys are paying attention to what's happening. Right. Yeah, the thing that people don't understand when they talk about, like, draft capital and how it matters and how, like, values can stick is that each each league is its own like micro league, you know, micro management thing, you know? And so uh, micro community, I should say. And so, yeah, it might work overall. Like, okay, Will Levis is going to gain value because he's 102 in the NFL draft. That doesn't mean he gains value in your league. And so it all depends on your league. Is do, Does your league trade easily? Like, you know, does your league fall in love with QBs that go 102 overall? You know, like the, there's so many question marks of what can and will happen that like it, when people say, oh, well, I'm just going to do this because of that. It just, it, it blows my mind. Like that's why I have truly focused for the last three years on only caring about player evaluation. That's all I care about. Is a player good or is a player bad? Because I can't guarantee in my 20 leagues that I can trade said bad player for more value than I paid for him just because I want to, you know, or just because he got traded early. I would like to think that, but I I definitely can't guarantee it. And I can honestly tell you the few times that I've actually tried to play that game, I've actually done pretty poorly with it. Maybe that's a me thing, but like, Last year in a free league, mind you, but a free a free league with a bunch of people that should be good at, at Dynasty. Um, I, dr- I drafted Sky more just co- at, at uh, 114 because I'm like, you know what? Like ev- everyone's pushing him into the first round. I'm in a 14-man league. I'm going to take him here at 114 and I'll trade him for more. Guess what? Sky Moore's still on my team because I was never able to tra- trade him for more. Like that's just how a lot of leagues work. And I mean, once again, it's a free league. That's one league. I'm not saying you can't do it. Obviously, we see examples of it, but I don't want to bank on it. That's the true problem. And the other thing that people don't realize is that even the good quarterbacks take time. Trevor Lawrence took a year. Justin Fields took a year. Okay, so Justin Herbert didn't t- take a year, but then he fell off in his second year. You know, like there's there's so many examples of these quarterbacks taking time to become the quarterback that they should be or that we want them to be. Why are we going to take these raw prospects extremely early in the first round and be like, yep, 
banking on that guy. No, take these true stud players. We have a very good rookie class here. Take these true stud players, then focus on the upside plays later on. Yes, Anthony Richardson is the most athletic quarterback in the history of the world. I mean, it's it's left up to debate, but as as far as the combines can concern, it's true. Guess what? I don't care. I'm not taking him at, in the top six picks. I'm not taking him in the top nine picks. I might take him at one ten. I might, might, if Josh Downs is gone. But Will Levis sucks. He's not good. He's not a good quarterback. He should not go in the first round. Like. Yes, these players can become something. Everyone wants these players to become something because Josh Allen became something. Josh Allen did not become something in year one. He became something in year two. It takes time for raw players to become good prospects. We're not ever saying that a player couldn't possibly break that mold. We're saying don't invest heavily into a raw prospect. Right. And also don't invest expecting that Josh Allen is going to be the outcome because of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. don't ever company one to that. I'm just saying right. because of Josh Allen, I will say that no one, I, I will never count anyone out, but, yeah, right. but I, I will, I will say these players will take time and that's what I will say. And that's why I would never draft anyone like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis early because there's, actual players that I think are going to gain value and not only gain value, but score points on my fantasy team while they're doing it that I'll actually use rather than drafting a player that I'm like, Oh, maybe in two years, he could possibly turn into the prospect that I want him to be. Yeah. And I think this kind of leads in to how I feel about the running backs in this class, uh, because these quarterbacks are getting gassed up and, We'll talk about some of the wide receivers later, but I feel like this is a good segue into the running backs because I feel like the running backs have really been unfairly um, kind of disrespected by the dynasty community and everyone's think, thinking that they're all of a sudden, you know, not this elite class. Everyone obviously knows Bijan Robinson is elite, but all of a sudden uh, – Jameer Gibbs is just a, a satellite back who, you know, you know, maybe play third downs for you. Um, I, I just can't get on board with that because I feel like this is such a deep class and there's three, maybe four of these guys who are going in the second round of, of rookie drafts. If you're just looking at um, the mock draft data from, from sleeper who could have easily been first round prospects in my opinion, a season ago. Um, Additionally, if you're looking at this mock draft data, you've got guys like Tank Bigsby and Ty J Spears who are getting, you know, pumped up for no reason either. Um, when when like legitimate prospects like Kendra Miller, Zach Evans, Izzy Abanaconda, uh, I like Roshan Johnson. Uh, he's I think he's fairly underrated as well. Uh, and then Sean Tucker, who we were talking about pre-show, who has some medical concerns. But if he didn't have those medical concerns, you know, that's a first round draft pick as well. Um, so I just feel like they're they're kind of missing out on some of these, I wouldn't say elite, but really good running back prospects that are falling into like the late second at, at, <clears throat> at times where 
you know, these are guys that, like I said, could have been first round picks a year ago with the exception of maybe Roshan Johnson. And it's because guys like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, who you said would take at 110, I'd probably be comfortable taking him there as well. There's, I don't think there's, there's a chance that he goes that far down the list, but if he did, then I guess I would have some Anthony Richardson. Um, and then some of the wide receivers like uh, Zay Flowers, who I want to talk about a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying that like some of these wide receivers are bad, but I just feel like something has gotten lost in translation where all of a sudden they're saying these guys are, you know, can't miss prospects and getting first round draft capital or, and, you know, some of these running backs. who I think are probably going to be NFL starters for two or three, maybe four or five years. And we're, we're, we're passing them up for like a undersized wide receiver who's played four years at Boston college who, you know, I'd like Zay flowers, but I just don't know if he's going to be that home run hitter that, some of these uh, running backs, I think, really could really be viable starters for years to come. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, my best advice is just to load up on as many second and third round picks as you can, because I think they're going to be hitting at a higher clip this year than they have in the past. No, it's true. I, I think that a lot of people have freaked out about this class. Like, oh, man, it, it didn't it didn't work out. Like, we were wrong about it. Like, no, you weren't wrong about it. There was like two players that, like, you know, we, we had – we had uh Keishon Boutte not be as good as we thought he was going to be or not be as healthy as we thought he was going to be. And then we had Blake Corum not be as healthy as we thought he was going to be. Other than that, it's pretty much the class that we thought it was going to be. Um, but people are just trying to, you know, they, they try to nitpick everyone and they try to like lose their minds about everything. And now all we're hearing is the 2024 class is elite guys. We already did that podcast. Like we, we've, we've got, we've discussed that. Like we didn't just discuss it. We, we dove into it. Like we actually analyzed it as people that focus on Debbie for a living. I mean, maybe, I, I guess I, I technically, I do. I don't know if uh, Andy doesn't, but I, technically I, I focus on Debbie for a living and uh, yeah, we already did that. And yet we decided that it was 2023. It was the better class. It wasn't that far off. I'm not saying 2024 is bad, but people are losing their minds. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm following you with the Zay Flowers hate. It sounds like I'm not hating. Hate I want to I want to clear the air because I had Zay Flowers first because I really don't want to come off like I hate Zay Flowers. I want to qualify it by saying I like Zay Flowers. Um, only ding on this profile for me is late to Claire, which I'm getting to a point right now where I don't even consider that a ding because it's it's proven to me that guys that are Seems good like everyone's just, getting to that point. <laughs> guys that are good just stay good. Um he probably, I think that he probably should have just came out last year and then we wouldn't even have to have this discussion. Um, yeah. He didn't really improve, statistically speaking, on his junior year, which... Neither did his quarterback. Right. So, but again, I think he's going to be an NFL contributor. I'm just hearing people saying, you know, he's going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft. And then they're saying his name in the same breath as like Jordan Addison and Josh Downs. I like... Zay Flowers, but I would take downs 100% of the time over him. Um, so I have Zay, I, I have <clears throat> Josh Downs as my wide receiver three, ahead <clears throat> of my wide receiver four, Zay Flowers. But okay. I have them close enough to where I, I, if you were to say, no, Zay over Josh Downs, I cannot 
like truly argue with you. Let me give you like a hypothetical then. Let's okay. say let's say let's say Zay Flowers ends up in like with Justin Herbert at at uh like the Chargers or something. Okay. And um and who's who's the other guy? Oh, Josh Downs ends up like with Mac Jones at New England. Who are you taking? I'd probably still take Downs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would too, obviously. I'm just like I, I'm also you... extremely higher on Mac Jones than ninety nine percent of people. Like I, I think he's been given the like raw steal of any quarterback in the history of the world. Like yeah. he didn't have players to throw to, and he didn't have an offensive coordinator. And people are like, "Well, he sucks." Like, no, he proved to us his rookie year. Like he was actually really good. And yeah. then his sophomore year, he didn't have an offensive coordinator or wide receivers to throw to. And like he's literally yelling at the uh, offensive coordinator on the sidelines, like "Let me play fucking football!" And people are and people are like, "Nope, he's fucking garbage." Like, yeah, I I can't get behind that, but I do like really Mac close. Jones too. Like, I just I couldn't come up with a scenario off the top of my head that was good. Um, but I like no, Mac I mean, Jones honestly, too. It, it wouldn't take much for me to move Zay Flowers ahead of him. Like, like they're in the same tier, so I'm fine with it. Like as long as they. Uh, you know, if he if Zay ends up in like a much better situation, then I'm like I'm fine with moving Zay ahead. But I don't have Zay ahead right now. But they're close enough, like I said. So I I just I, I, you weren't hating on him, but I'm just saying. No, like, I think I think Zay Flowers is perfectly fine to take in like the early second round of like a 12 man rookie draft. But yeah, he's going like one ten ish right now. I want to say I feel like that's too early, but. Again, you're just playing the game, though, right? You're playing the market game with everybody up to an extent. Um, and, you know, if but it's the, fact- it's, the, it's the running backs, though. The running backs are the ones that are getting pushed down, and I, I know. don't understand it. So, like, that's where, where I, you know, you get, you have to, like, have this internal fight with yourself. Like, do I take Zay Flowers because that's what the market's telling me to do, or do I wait and because I can get, Izzy Abanaconda a full round later, uh, even though I think, you know, he's going to be a decent player too. Um, it's it's tricky, but I I feel like I, I want to get as many early to mid seconds as I possibly can in, in all of these leagues because I just feel like they're all going to be so good. People are beginning to hate on this draft and like they, they're like, oh, after 107, I don't want another pick. Like trade trade every pick after that and take advantage of it in your leagues. Like it, it yeah. it's pretty wild. Um yeah, I I would say there's at least at least nine running backs that I'm willing to say like should be drafted in the first two rounds, if not earlier than that. Like, you know, earlier than even the late second round. Um, there's probably more than that. And like, you know, you, you, you're a big fan of Roshan. I'm okay with them. I, I don't love them. I have them kind of like paired there with tank. Um, so yeah, I don't love all that, but I'm just, but there's so many good running backs. So even if you hate on Jose flowers or, or whoever, just grab the running backs and just be happy with it. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned nine running backs in the first two rounds. 
I can pr- pretty much guarantee that majority of leagues are not going to have nine running backs drafted in the first two rounds. So that means you're going to get one of these guys potentially in the third round. And, and that's like including guys like Ty J Spears who are going to go in the first two rounds who I, I just don't see it. You know, I could be wrong on that, but um, he's my eight. Yeah. So I said nine, he's my eight. Yeah. And I'd be fine with him there, but he's going what? Like RB five. Yeah, he, he's play? pretty yeah. Miller. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I uh-huh. still have, I still have a chain and Miller and and a Bonaconda and like those guys ahead of them. You know, yeah. Like, I would I, take all those. There's, guys. there's no way I'm I'm letting those guys fall behind him. Right, but that's what that's the like someone's gonna. It, it depends too. Like we're gonna know so much more in two to three days. Obviously, like if Tyje Spears all of a sudden goes undrafted, then you can obviously kiss goodbye any sort of second round ADP (laughs) for him. But he's being, he's being, he's being projected to like be a, like a late second, early third draft capital guy. He's being hyped up for sure. He is. So it's going to be fun, but I, the only other guy that I had on here is Michael Mayer. And again, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do about Zay flowers, because I do like Michael Mayer a lot. Um, I just don't think he's athletic enough to be like this home run hit of a rookie pick in in the first round, right? Yeah, so, that's the problem. He's not a first round guy. Yeah. So if you're gonna take a tight end, don't take a tight end in the first round. I'll just say that. But if you if you're gonna take a tight end, I would just wait until like the late second, early third, when you can get guys like Dalton Kincaid or um, Darnell Washington, guys that are like uber athletes, which we've already know that those are the guys that have that, you know, home run upside at the tight end position, which is what you really want. Like, yeah, it'd be great. They call this, they call Michael Mayer baby Gronk, which is a fun nickname for him. But to me, he's more like a Austin Hooper, you know, he, he, which is still like a fantasy relevant guy. Yeah, he's still going to be good. I mean, Zach Ertz would be a great outcome for him. But um, to me, I feel like he's just going to, you know, he's going to have a couple seasons where he catches, you know, 40 to 60 passes for seven or 800 yards. And he's going to be a tight end one, but he's not going to be the tight end one. Right. He's not going to be in that tier that you want, like the top two or three where you're scoring five points per game more than any everybody else. He's in not the, changing your outcome per se. Right. He's just holding the spot for you. So that's why I just feel like if you're going to draft a tight end, just wait and, and do it in the second or third round, because you're probably going to get similar production out of those guys. No, I agree. And I mean, honestly, like I think the way that people are drafting, um, it's not going to, like you shouldn't have to take Michael Mayer in the first, but if somebody does just let them do it, you know, like it's yeah. not the end of the world. Um, but you shouldn't have to because there, there's so many players. Like, that's what I love about this class. Like people are like, "Oh, it's a terrible class." No, no, I fucking love this class. Like everyone loves bad players in this class, and so <laughs> I get to draft the good players later than the players that you think are the good players, and I love that about this class. Um, yeah, maybe it didn't end up being like the most elite class of 
the history in, uh, of dynasty football like people were expecting it to be. But I, I actually I love the way this class is falling. I mean, every people love a rich. People love Will Levis. People love Tank Bigsby. People love Quentin Johnston, um, Jalen Hyatt. Like all these players are going to push good players down. And then next thing you know, you're sitting at like 207 and you're like, holy shit, Martin Mims is sitting there. <laughs> like this is actually pretty awesome. No, you're 100% right. And Marvin Mims is a great guy to bring up because I feel like he's just nobody's talking about him. Like this guy, this guy profiles so well. I don't understand it because four three eight. Yeah, he's he's hitting all the metrics that we want statistically from college as far as like yards per team pass attempt and reception market share that sort of stuff. Um, you know, size isn't a big concern for wide receivers, so you know we we can't really make any heads or tails of any of that information. Um, yeah, I feel like Marvin Mims is a guy that I'm going to be able to get a lot of because I don't think he's going to get the draft capital either. Um, it doesn't sound like it anyway. It's, he's ne- he's definitely not going to get first-round draft capital. Um, no, but it, it's crazy because <laughs> like, you think of like previous years and like anyone that got 4-3 speed would have been a first round pick. And now it's like, well, maybe he'll get third round pick. You know, it's, it's, it's wild. I was, uh, last year I tweeted out like every, if, if you run the fastest 40 at the combine, it's like a guarantee that you're getting day two draft capital. So that this year it's Trey Palmer. He ran the fastest 40. I, I will promise you he's going to be drafted in either the second or third round by somebody, probably the new England Patriots. And which is wild because he's going off the boards is like the wider or not the wide receiver, but like the player 40 overall or like 42 or something like that. And uh, he was one of my articles for DLF. I'm like, I have no idea why he's going as late as he is because like I he's not just a speedster, he's not Henry Ruggs or whatever. Like he actually put up a decent year in Nebraska. Um, I'm not saying draft him early, I'm just saying don't draft him at 40 fucking two. No, and that number is going to change because I he will he's going to get drafted in like the second or third round and right. people are going to hype him up. Um, so that's you know that just kind of circles it all back. Like at the end of the day, all everything we just talked about is going to change in twenty four to forty eight hours, to an extent. A lot of it's going to going to remain true though. I mean, the good players are still going to be good. The bad right. players are still going to be bad. Um, like draft capital doesn't change that. It just changes the opportunity that the opportunity that they have. And so I, I hate that. That's why we just had the Debbie devotional on Monday night and the, the podcast that came out this week where we literally, I challenged the guys to not talk about draft capital at all. I'm like, Hey guys, just don't talk about DC. Just don't like actually talk about the players. Let's give player analysis right before the draft. So we can give you know, like people that are listening actual analysis and not just, well, if he gets first 10 overall picks or if he gets first round pick, no, screw that shit. Like I want to know, is a player good? Is a player bad? That kind of thing. Yes, things can change. You should always change your mind slightly because of draft capital, but you should never change your mind drastically because of draft capital. And so that's my goal this year is for people to finally learn that 
They probably won't. They didn't learn it last year with Malik Willis or any of those guys, but finally learn it. Like, let's not project it and let's not care about it as much. Let's just project who's going to be good and who's going to actually, like, you know, play football. Yes, they won't listen, but we'll try. We'll keep trying, right? <laughs> oh, we're always trying. All right. So I think that was enough of the underrated and overrated rookies, although I will disagree that Zay Flowers is not overrated. But All right. um, All right. let's get into our bold draft predictions because we have literally less than 24 hours before the NFL draft. Thank God. Um, but who do you think is going to go much earlier than the NFL draft thinks or the NFL draft community thinks, uh, as of right now, like, where do you think that they're going to go? And then also who's going to go later? All right. I'm going to start with later because I honestly didn't, didn't prepare for this. I put the question on the show sheet and I was like, (laughs) I don't know. But I, I'm pretty confident on who who I know is going to go later, and I, I I shouldn't say who, but I, I know it's going to be one of the one of the three QBs. We're all pretty sure Bryce Young is going to go number one overall to the um, Panthers. Yes, uh, Panthers at number one. Um, but between C.J. Stroud, who Ohio State quarterbacks just always have a a penchant for falling in the draft for whatever reason. Um, Will Levis, who I'm, you know, on the record as saying he's horrible and Anthony Richardson, we see it just about every year, a quarterback starts to slide. All of a sudden a team that you thought was going to draft them drafts like an edge rusher. And then you start looking at the board and you're like, Oh shit, who's going to draft a quarterback from now and between pick 27, nobody. (laughs) And then, you know, it just starts to go pick by pick by pick and nobody's trading up. So one of those three is going to either fall straight out of the first round, which I think it's possible. We saw, we've seen it happen before um, or just fall completely out of the top 10, potentially out of the top 20. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. If I had to guess, I think it's Will Levis, but um, I think CJ Stroud has a possibility too. you know, his, that test score thing came out, like all the narratives are being, yes, I know. I feel the same way. Uh, All these narratives are being spun. It happens all the time with Ohio state QBs. They say like all, you know, he's not coachable or stuff like that. I don't know what it is. It moves through his progressions. Yeah. So I feel like CJ Stroud is a candidate to all of a sudden start to slip a little bit. And um, I don't think it's right. I think, it might end up benefiting him if he ends up in like a better situation because a team that is more prepared to have a quarterback gets him. But um, I, I feel like I'll, I'll just go out and say CJ Stroud. I'll, if, if we're going to try and make it a bold prediction, I think CJ Stroud falls a little bit in the draft. Yeah. I mean, the way things are falling, uh, like the news you're hearing and everything is, is probably uh, agreeing with you, but I can't believe it. Like, He's just too good in college. I I don't believe it. Um, I think that people are going to realize that Anthony Richardson is a raw, raw prospect, and they're not going to draft him in the top 
five, like everyone's expecting right now. And he's going to be the big faller. Um, I mean, I, I would love to say that he falls out of the first round, but I definitely can't guarantee it. So I, I would, I would also say that Trey Palmer, the player that we just talked about, is my riser. I think he's going to be way drafted way earlier than everyone else as my lights turn off because it's 1045. Um, I I think that he's going to be drafted way earlier. I also said that in, in my DLF article about him because guess what? He was, he was going off the board as like the 42nd overall player. He's my wide receiver 11. Like there's, there's not, we're talked about how it's not that great of a wide receiver class. Okay, it's a pretty good, it's a great running back class. It's a decent QB class. It's a great tight end class. But the wide receiver class, not, not all that fantastic. But he's my wide receiver 11. He was going off of the board as a wide receiver 20. It makes no sense to me. And tell me that NFL team isn't going to fall in love with him running a 4-3-3 in the 40. Like somebody's going to draft him earlier so I'm going to go with Trey Palmer as my bold prediction. He'll be drafted much earlier than people are expecting. Yeah, I like that. Um, I will say that the list of like fastest 40 times is not a very palatable list. It's like a lot of... No, like, but the like, NFL falls in love with them, though. Yeah, yeah, no. It doesn't, like, you're right. Generally speaking, it's not that like coveted of a list, but people yeah. love them, though. No, yeah. No, especially... It seems like it's always like the Raiders and the Patriots. <laughs> uh, but if I had to pick someone that I think is going to go earlier than what most would assume, I'm going to say do spawn. Because I think the NFL is going to look at that profile and say, this guy can play football and sort of ignore all the size concerns and draft him in probably like the late second maybe early second, maybe, well, probably not early, but maybe like mid to late second uh, or third round. And, you know, he's going to probably shoot up some draft boards too, depending on who drafts him, because, you know, we love day two running backs. It's typically where they end up, but um, I don't know if that's going to be good for him or bad for him. I still think he's probably a late second or third round pick when it comes to our dynasty rookie drafts. Um, but I really think that the NFL is going to just watch the film of him and just see like, okay, this guy's like a joystick player. We can use him on special teams. If it doesn't work out on offense, we can just use him anywhere. We can split him out. Um, he's just kind of like a gadget player that the NFL really just falls in love with those kind of guys. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to translate to like a fantasy output by any means, but it certainly uh, is going to end up well for Deuce Vaughn, I would say. No, I like it. I mean, I I think I like it because I think he would be drafted way too early in rookie drafts if that happened. And then right. I would be, I'd be fine taking somebody else after like somebody took Deuce Vaughn, that kind of thing. Um, another player that I'll throw out just because, like, I mean, Trey Palmer, I, I love him, and, and he probably should be going earlier than he is. But I will say that uh, 
uh, Marvin Mims should be going earlier, and I think he's going to be drafted earlier in the NFL draft than people are expecting. Because right now, I think he's being projected at like the late third, early fourth, and I feel like he's going to go a lot earlier than that. And once again, it's like these teams fall in love with speed. He was a four three eight player. Like I've heard so many guys go, "Oh, he doesn't play that way on on film." It doesn't matter. Like. The NFL falls in love with these combine players and the combine studs, and I feel like they're going to fall in love with uh, Marvin Mims. He's going to go earlier, and then he's going to end up being earlier on everyone's draft boards uh, in rookie drafts because right now he's early on mine, but I feel like everyone's going to catch up within the next like what handful of days. Yeah, which is good. You know, I think Marvin Mims deserves it. He's he's a solid player. But what about do you got anybody who you think is going to slide or slip a little bit? Like who's being overhyped? Who's going to start to maybe fall out of that day two conversation? I mean, Jonathan Mingo is getting a lot of love right now. Oh, yeah. And, and like he's, he's talked like, um, I forget who it was, but somebody projected him in the first round of the NFL draft. And I'm just like, Dude, he's literally my 22nd wide receiver in this draft. Like, he's not good. And the thing is, like, I boost I boost players in Beth uh, that have a certain uh, height-adjusted speed score, Haas. And I'm like – and I, I boosted him because he's fast and tall. Like, he's big, like that kind of thing. He still sucks. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I tried to help him. And he's still my wide receiver 22 in the class. Please don't draft Jonathan Mingo. I don't care if he goes in the first. I don't care if he goes in the second. It doesn't matter. Don't draft Jonathan Mingo. Save yourself. Draft actual good players. Yeah, I'm just looking at, you know, his, you know, kind of advanced stats, whatever you want to call them. He didn't even break 20% reception market share until this year, which is his fourth year in school. He's never had two and a half yards per team pass attempt. Um, he's obviously he's a fourth year. Yards per route run was, you know, it's all just sort of average. Just over two if yards that. per route run. If that. So, and I have been seeing a lot of Mingo too, which again, not saying he's he's going to be like a, a nobody in the NFL, but to say he's like a first round draft pick or a second round rookie pick. But I think that leans to your point of like take the running backs over these yes. nonsense wide receivers. Exactly. Like these running like you can go 10, 12 deep in these running backs and still be hitting on some of these guys potentially. So yep. that's how I feel about it. I mean, the, the yeah, the the wide receiver class, it could have been great with with Boutte and JSN, and we just really didn't get that phenomenal season that we really wanted to see last year. This, you know, it, it doesn't mean that there's bad, the whole class or the whole wide receiver class even is bad, but um, it's really created a, an opportunity for some of these running backs. And I think that some people are going to just luck into it, you know, just because they're going to accidentally like, oh, you might as well take a running back here, not knowing that they're really drafting like these really good players. But for for guys like you and me, who we're smarter than everybody, clearly. Um, Obviously. Yeah, we're going to just scoop up all these running backs and hopefully, you know, half of them hit, which would be great, but I think I think I think a lot of them are really going to be NFL contributors 
starting on day one, really. I mean, I, I, I've compared it to the 2017 class, and that's probably unfair because like, cause they're not going to get the, the draft capital that the 2017 class got just because it's a different world. You know, it's a different NFL. Um, so it's extremely difficult to actually like compare classes at this point. But I'm just like, but talent-wise, I don't feel like it's that far off. Yes, two, 2017 is probably better, and I would agree with that. But uh, it's not that far off. And just the the number of players that you have that could actually be contributors to your to your fantasy teams makes me think of 2017, and that's why I bring it up. And so I, yeah, I. I, I love the idea. I, I, I love the idea of getting some of these players. Like Izzy Benacanda was being drafted before his pro day in like the mid to late third rounds. You know, like obviously that's not going to be the case because he ran a 439 in his pro day. And so people are going to love him and he's probably going to get drafted earlier. But like just stuff like that, the, the fact that you're going to get Zach Evans so much later than you probably should. The fact that you're going to get Kendra Miller so much later than you probably should, like all these players that actually matter. And then people are like mixing in Roshan Johnson and Tank Bigsby and Dwayne McBride and Chase Brown and all that kind of like, let them do it. Just draft the good players and you'll be very happy. (laughs) 100%. It's going to be fun. I can't wait for rookie drafts to start. I think I got a few starting on Sunday, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, so I made a point this year. In in the past, I've always kind of been more of like a sell my rookie picks to, you know, to to gain value, get a Travis Kelsey, get a Derrick Henry, like that kind of thing. I made a a very strong point this past season to not sell any of my rookie picks, and I only sold my rookie picks in one league. I have my rookie picks in every single other league that I'm in. And so I'm I'm going to be making a lot of picks this year, which in the past, I've always made a lot of picks too, but I've always had to trade something to get that. This year, I just have those picks. And so I don't have to trade anything or do anything. I just have the picks and I'm really excited about it. Nice. We should, uh, we yeah. should probably hype uh, Thomas's uh, Sunday draft thing like he told us to. Yes, we probably should do that. I was I was looking at my own thing. Uh, I was gonna hype my uh, my team. Oh, we'll do that too. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring up this team that I drafted in Tommy T's league, um, but it was just it was just talking about the running backs. I drafted Zach Charbonnet, um, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Kendra Miller, Izzy Abanaconda, and Travis Dye. Those were my those were my five or six or whatever that was uh, rookie running backs that I drafted and I loved every second of it. I mean, obviously, like, I can go into the team. The team's sick, but um, but I just I love the fact that I actually got those those six <laughs> uh, dynasty rookie running backs. It was was, awesome. was this it was like startup? every yeah, it was a startup. Oh, okay, yeah, it was a startup. Rookies added, nice. Yeah, it was a startup with rookies in the draft. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I we can't not talk about this team now. I have Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Smith as my as my starting wide receivers. Uh, and then I have uh, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, and uh, DeAndre Swift, Zach Charbonnet, 
Dalton Kincaid, who I also took another rookie, and Brandon Cooks, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Kendra Miller, Marvin Mims. It could just it Travis Dye, Izzy Abanaconda, Trey Palmer. We just talked about Trey Palmer, Dontavian Wicks. Like I took a lot of rookies, but that team is sick. I can't. I, I'm I like the idea. Sure. Those wide receivers are nasty. And I like the idea of like capitalizing on drafting quarterbacks that are probably unfairly undervalued, like Russell Wilson, because and Jared was, Goff, both of them. I don't know why Jared Goff, like he was a top ten quarterback last year, and he's got the same. And nothing's changed. Coming back. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's changed. And, and people he's... are like, "Well, but they could draft Anthony Richardson." Like, okay, well he he's going to yeah. take at least two Richardson. Years yeah, to you still get like... two years of Goff. So yeah. And everyone, you know, people are. I just traded for Goff. Actually, I traded. Um, who did I trade? I think I traded Luther Burden for Goff straight up. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I knew you would like that because you're a noted <laughs> Luther Burden f- hater. But um, I, I am. And I'm I'm getting there t- to that point as well. But um, but I yeah, like, yeah, I love this year it. especially. Like it, whether you're in a startup or a rookie draft or whatever, I love like. Think about those wide receivers. Like that's like what four top twelve wide receivers. Like that's like that's sick. And then add in all of those rookie running backs and tell me at least two of them aren't gonna hit. You know, like I love that kind of strategy this year. Yeah, um no. but enough about that. We have a lot of fun coming up tomorrow. Uh I, I can't wait. Uh obviously we won't be back for a couple of weeks. We will discuss what happened in the draft and all that kind of stuff when we come back. But man, uh, thank God it's finally here. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know about you. I know oh, yeah. you're excited. I'm sure. Um, I have a, I have one article. I put out six articles last week at DLF. Um, it was a wild week. I, I, I was for that one week. I was an animal. I don't think I'll do that again. Uh, it was a lot of work, but I have one article coming out. Uh, May 2nd, May 2nd. And I am going to be talking about how to draft a rookie situation versus talent. And I think that's something that people get wrong all the time. And so I would, uh, I would beg you to read that article just because so many people are going to get it wrong. So many people are going to do the whole CEH thing and, and, you know, like the Rashad Bateman thing. And like, there's just so many other things that, uh, that I'm going to dive into, but you know, I, I really want to like focus on or dive into like what should you draft situation, talent, combination of the two, like that kind of thing. So I'll be looking at that, and I, I plan on making it one of my longer articles. And my lights just went off, um, but I plan on making one of my long longer articles because I think that uh, it'll be very important for people to actually read. Well, I will be sure to read it. I appreciate um, that, buddy. No, I will. As long as it's not paywalled. If it's paywalled, I'm sorry, I won't read it. I'm 99% sure that one will be paywalled. I, I think oh, the only oh, ones that aren't paywalled <laughs> that I've written so far have been the C2C ones, which okay. I have written too. If you haven't read them, they're free on DLF. Go check them out. Because um, I got a lot of great feedback on the first one. I didn't get a lot of great feedback on, like, I didn't get any feedback on the second one. So I'd love just like any kind of. I feedback. didn't. I didn't even know what happened. I gotta go look now. 
Yeah, as I, I feel like I don't know if somehow it just got skipped. I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on the draft and everything. The algorithm else, like, passed it right up. Yeah, algorithm screwed it. But like the first <laughs> one, everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the second one, people were like, well, whatever. But uh, I actually went into, I dove into startup strategy and I went through a startup draft from two years ago and I like talked about like, this is why you don't do this and this is why you should do that and that, that kind of thing. So, um, especially if you're newer to C2C or if you are trying to get into a C2C, I would definitely recommend checking that out. But enough about us. We're at the hour and a half mark here. We're, we did a pretty good job. I hope you guys enjoyed the draft. Um, please, please, please let Sun- the players. Sunday. You got to mention Thomas Tipple's Sunday draft day. I will. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm praying to God that we're going to get good players drafted to good spots. So please, Lord, just let them go to good spots. That's all we need. And then obviously Sunday at some point, we don't have a, a, a dedicated time here. <laughs> But, but at some point, Tommy T and the boys, I don't know who's going to be on with them, but at some point, Tommy T is going to be on with the draft recap show, uh, like a live show that you'll be able to actually ask questions and the, all that kind of stuff. So uh, make sure you check that out on Sunday on this podcast network. Uh, we really do appreciate we finally surpassed 500 uh, subscriptions on YouTube, which is pretty awesome. Obviously, we want to get to the point where we're at a thousand where we can start making money off you motherfuckers, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but honestly, 500 is awesome. It really is cool. And we appreciate you guys following and listening. It really is um, a great thing to wake up to every morning. But uh, Tommy T wanted us to mention that and the the podcast or the stream on Sunday. But other than that, enjoy your drafts or enjoy the NFL draft, I should say. And actually enjoy your drafts because most of your rookie drafts are probably going to be directly after the NFL draft. And then we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Andy, you have anything else to say before we get out of here? Uh, nope. I think that's it. I think that we did a good job. We said it all. <laughs> we said it all. Don't draft Anthony Richardson Which- at 102. Thomas Tipple is probably going to tell you to do that on Sunday. Don't listen to him. He will. But remember the Devi podcast that has been focusing <laughs> on these players for multiple years. And listen to us. Don't draft Anthony Richardson or Will Levis at 102 through 110. 110. Yeah. As I said, someone else. As it. they say. <laughs> All right, guys. Until then, we're cashing out. We'll see you soon. Uh, please, Lord. Good draft picks. True.